It's Jeremiah 32. Continuing our verse by verse, chapter by chapter, study through the book of Jeremiah. We're up to Jeremiah 32. Last week we did chapters 30 and 31. And uh, tonight we're going to continue on here. Now with chapter 32, it starts out, and I don't want to uh, give away the ending, but I'm going to give away the ending. It starts out with Jeremiah in prison. Now, we need to talk about this for a little bit, this idea of being in prison, because there's a lot of why questions in tonight's message, and this happens a lot. I get a lot of questions from people, and I'm always honest with them. I'm saying, that's a question I can't answer. Why? Why did the Lord take my loved one? Why didn't she want to be with me? Why did I lose that job? Why didn't I get the job? I can't answer those questions. I can't. You know, if you're dealing with a loved one, you know, the answer I usually give is instead of focusing on why, let's focus on where. If your loved one has passed away, where are they? If they knew Christ, they're in heaven. Let's rejoice for that. And instead of focusing on why did I lose the job, why didn't I get the girl, why didn't I get the guy, I say let's focus on what. What is the Lord trying to reveal to you through this, and how can we grow by this? Why questions are difficult. There's no way to get around that. But you're going to see here tonight in Jeremiah, this is a great man of faith, he's got why questions too. So we'll get to that here in a little bit, but a little bit of a reminder here, just a quick flashback to Jeremiah 27 and 28. If you remember our study from Jeremiah 27 and 28, Jeremiah was given this prophecy by the Lord saying the Babylonians are going to come, and the Babylonians are going to come, they're going to destroy Jerusalem, they're going to overtake Israel. And there was this man back in Jeremiah 27 and 28, this false prophet, and his name was the name of Hananiah. So anytime Jeremiah would prophesy, saying Babylonians are coming, Hananiah would get up and say, nope, not going to happen. In a couple of years, Babylon's going to be gone. So it became this prophetic battle, if you will, between Jeremiah and Hananiah. Well, what Jeremiah said basically was this. Babylon's coming. Accept it as God's judgment. Don't try to fight it. Realize this is what God wants to do. And then at the end, you'll see what God's plan was. Well, Israel didn't like that. They looked at that as almost treason, as rebellion. So because of that... Jeremiah was thrown in prison. Look at Jeremiah 32 here. It says in verse 2, For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prisons, which was in the king of Judah's house. If you jump back to verse 1, a lot of times we skip the background. This idea of Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. We start reading those things and our mind begins to wander. This time frame is very important. This is the final year of this battle. It is in this year that Babylon's going to win. So, what is happening right now is Israel is being surrounded, Jerusalem is being besieged, and so as Jerusalem's being besieged, and as people start to realize the false prophet Hananiah was wrong, they start realizing Jeremiah was right. Instead of Jeremiah being asked and being uplifted, saying, what should we do? Their great response is, let's throw the guy in prison. That's exactly what they do. Verse 3, Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord? Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, should not escape from the hand of the Chaldeans, but surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him face to face, and see him eye to eye. And then he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and there he shall be until I visit him, says the Lord. Though you fight with the Chaldeans, you shall not succeed. So basically, Jeremiah is saying, Babylon's going to win. Zedekiah, you're going to be defeated. They didn't like the message, so what did they do? They threw him in prison. Now, just a quick reminder note, because we went through this just a few chapters ago. As you can look in your sheets there, there will be consequences to speaking the truth. There will always be consequences to speaking the truth. 
But we have a responsibility to God to proclaim the truth. I'm telling you right now, be it at home, be it at work, be it at school, if you speak the truth of the Bible, you're going to make more enemies than you're going to make friends. Because what happens is the truth of the Bible is divisive. As we've said out here many times before, as soon as you claim to be a Christian and you claim that Jesus Christ is your Savior, what you're saying is Jesus is the only way to get to heaven, you just offended about 5 billion people in the world because you just said they're wrong. Now, you can't say Jesus is the only way and still think that everybody's going to love you and like you. You can't say, I believe Genesis to Revelation and think that everybody's going to love you and like you. They're not. Jeremiah spoke the truth and said, Thus saith the Lord. They didn't like what Jeremiah said, so what did they do? Threw him in prison. Now, that's what we have to talk about for a second. That's just an introduction to what we need to talk about. This idea of God using you in prison. Now, when I said on the sheet here, this idea of prison, I don't literally mean prison. Yes, there are great testimonies of people that literally were in prison that the Lord used and brought to the knowledge of Jesus. Amen. I'm saying that sometimes you are in a stuck and a really tough situation in life. You may look at your marriage as a prison. You may look at your work as a prison. You may look at your life as a prison. You may look at your circumstances, your health as a prison, as this thing that you're stuck in and you're trapped in and you hate it and you want to get out. Okay, God can use that. How can God use that? Let's look at the three points here real quick. God uses prison to prepare us. First guy we put down there was Joseph. It says in, in Psalm 105, 18 through 19, that when Joseph was in prison, that the Lord prepared his heart for something bigger and better that was going to come. And you remember the story of Joseph. Joseph was falsely accused of rape. He was thrown in prison. He did nothing wrong. And he was left there to rot. Now, stop and think about this for a second. If you are a believer at that time and you're in Joseph's position, would you not have a few why questions at that moment? Okay, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm accused of rape. I didn't do anything wrong, and I'm sold as a slave by my brothers. I didn't do anything wrong, and I'm sitting here stuck in this jail. Why, God? God was using prison to prepare Joseph for something bigger and better later on. And we know that Joseph ended up becoming second in charge of all of Egypt. Sometimes when you're in that very difficult situation, be it a work situation, a health situation, a life situation, you're in prison and you're trying to find the first way out. God sometimes says, stay. Sometimes God allows you to be in there because it prepares your heart for something bigger and better later on. If you're stuck in a situation that seems difficult, sometimes instead of finding the first exit, step back for a second and just say, Lord, are you using this for something bigger and better? And if you are, teach me that. Show me that. Joseph is a good example of that. Next point here about prison. God uses prisons to witness to others. Look at the verse here in Acts 16. It says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. See, I don't know how many times I read that verse and I always thought Paul and Silas are singing hymns because that's just who they are. That was also part of their witness. The other prisoners were listening to them. I'm telling you right now, if you're going through a difficult situation and people know you're going through a difficult situation, the way you handle that, the way you act on that is going to be a witness to other people more than you can ever imagine. God sometimes uses prison for you to be a light and a witness to others so that way when people come up and say, I can't believe what you're going through and how you kept your faith, how you kept your joy... It's amazing. God uses that as a witness to others. Last point, the one we're going to talk about tonight, sometimes God uses prison to speak to us. 
Look here, Jeremiah 32, 6. After all this, it says, And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Well, couldn't the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah outside of prison? It could have. But you know, sometimes when you're stripped of everything, the only thing you have left is the Lord, you do a little bit more listening. I don't know how many times I've done hospital visits where people are laying there in a hospital bed and they're saying, you know what? I've never prayed so much. I've never read so much. I've never sought the Lord so much. There's been a lot of times I've gone and visited people in prison. And you know what they say? The only thing I have to do all day is read. God will speak. I don't know, and I don't want to make any claims here. I don't know if Jeremiah needed this moment to listen a little closer, a little bit better. But God used this moment. So this prison in Jeremiah's life, it's a biblical thing. God uses it to prepare us for something bigger and better later on. God uses us to witness to others in our difficult times. And God also uses those difficult times to have us listen a little closer, a little better. Lord did that with Jeremiah, and we'll see what the plan here is going to be revealed in a second. But anybody have any quick questions, comments about any of that thus far before I move on to the rest of it? The background of Jeremiah or the Lord using this difficult time to get his attention. All right, let's move on then. What's God's plan? What's the big plan that God has? Verse 7, Behold Hanamah, the son of Shalom, your uncle, basically Jeremiah, your cousin, will come to you saying, Buy my field, which is in Ananoth, for the right of redemption is yours to buy it. So that's the great message. Jeremiah, I put you in prison for a reason. Why? Because I want you to buy a field. That's the great message. Jerusalem is being besieged. The Babylonians are right outside the wall. The, the siege has been going on for almost a year. Everybody's about to die. Jeremiah's in prison. And all of a sudden, thus saith the Lord, Jeremiah, I want you to go buy a field. That makes no sense. Makes no sense. It's like your house being on fire and say, hey, I want to run back in and get a drink of water real quick. It doesn't make any sense. Jeremiah is told, this is what I want you to do. And, and not even just told to do it. He gives all the details. Verse 8. Then Hananiah, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said to me, please buy my field, that is an Anath, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours and the redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. Now think about Jeremiah's position here for a little bit. Once again, the city is under siege. And we know from, from putting all these passages together, especially staying out the book of Lamentations, it was rough. It was rough in Jerusalem. We've mentioned before, not to be grotesque here, but to the point of women eating their children and their placentas. They were so hungry for food. I don't want to add too much to scriptures, but I'm willing to bet the prisoners were not given a lot of food at this time. So Jeremiah is in prison. All of a sudden, his cousin shows up. Finally, a set, a face, or something that brings a little bit of joy. And the only reason he comes is to say, Hey, would you like to buy a field? The world is falling apart around us. We're not even going to have a field to own. Babylon is coming to destroy us. I'm in prison. We're all going to die. And you want to know if you want to buy a field. Verse 9, So I bought the field. From Hanamal, the son of my uncle, who was in Anath, and weighed out to him the money, 17 shekels of silver. And I signed the deed and sealed it, took witnesses, and weighed the money on the scales. I took the purchase deed, both which was sealed according to law and custom, and that which was open. And he goes on in verse 12, he gave, it made everything official. Then he says right here in verses 14 and 15, I did this and wrote, note this, he says in verse 15, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Jeremiah was obedient. 
Now, if we would just stop real quick there and not read verses 16 through 25, we could walk away from this lesson saying, wow, look at this guy. And one of the toughest times of his life, Jerusalem is about to be defeated. He's in prison. He's obedient. He, he does exactly what the Lord says. And what an amazing witness and testimony. We could make this great message about how when you're going through difficult times, allow the Lord to prepare your heart. Allow the Lord to speak to your heart. And allow that time to be a witness to others. And that's all true. But I love the honesty of the Bible. Because we have verses 16 through 25. Now verse 16 starts sounding real good. Now, when I had delivered the purchase deed to Barak, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Real quick, verse 17. Do you guys remember that song that we sing that has those lyrics? The next time you sing, remember that's a guy in the middle of prison that's singing that. That's such a fun, uplifting song. You know, there's nothing is too difficult for thee. And it's this fun little song. When you stop and you look at the background of that song, this is a guy in prison that's saying it. Now he goes on and he's got a great testimony here. Verse 18, you, you show loving kindness to thousands, repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them, the great, the mighty God whose name is the Lord of hosts. And he goes on, verse 19, you are great in counsel and mighty in work, for your eyes are open to all the ways of the Son of Men, to give everyone according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. You have set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt to this day, and in Israel and among other men, and you have made yourself a name as it is this day. You have brought your people Israel to land of Egypt with signs and wonders with a strong hand and outstretched arm and with great terror. You have given them this land of which you swore to the fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And you have come and take possession of it, but they have not obeyed your voice or walked in your law. They have done nothing at all you commanded them to do. Therefore you have caused all this calamity to come upon them. Now look at the honesty in verse 24. Look, the siege mounds. They have come to the city to take it. And the city has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, who fight against it because of the sword and famine and pestilence. What you have spoken has happened. There you see it. And you have said to me, O Lord God, buy the field for money and take witnesses? Yet the city has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans. That's honesty in verses 24 and 25. If you didn't catch that, Jeremiah had basically verses 16 through 23 of praise. Then verses 24 and 25, he says, what are you doing? I mean, look at verse 25 one more time. And you have said to me, O Lord God, buy the field for money and take witnesses, yet the city has been given into the hand of the Babylonians. That is an honest answer from a guy in prison whose city is about to be taken over. And what he's really saying is, you want me to buy a field now. What Jeremiah is really asking is, why? Why? Now, I, I don't know about you, but the more I study the Bible, the more I see, the more I realize a lot of people in the Bible ask why. Now, sometimes they get answers. Sometimes they don't. Job's a great example of this. As we mentioned in the book of Job, the first two chapters of Job, we get the background scene of what's going on in Job. There's this little deal going on between Satan and God. Then from really chapter 3 to chapter 38, it's Job and his three friends arguing about why all this is happening to Job. In chapter 38, God shows up and starts to answer. But if you read the book of Job, it is never revealed to Job once why this all happened. So I'm telling you right now, you're going to have a Jeremiah moment sometimes in your life where it just doesn't make sense what you're doing, Lord. 
It, it just doesn't make sense. Lord, I'm, I'm on the way to this very important meeting, and today's the day my car breaks down. Why? Lord, I, I've been faithful to you, but I'm the one that gets sick. Why? Okay, God may answer that, Jeremiah 32. Or you may have a Job moment of where you never get the answer. Now, the question comes up, are you still going to praise him? Are you still going to be faithful to him? You know, we sang that great praise song, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Once again, that's out of the book of Job. Are we still going to be faithful to God in what we do? Jeremiah is asking why. We get the answer here in a little bit. But this is an honest answer. And i got to be honest with you. Sometimes as Christians, we're going to have why moments. And we have to stop and say, Lord, why? Now, Lord, if you give me the answer, that's great. But if you don't give me the answer, I still just need to trust you. Put yourself in Jeremiah's position. He's in the middle of prison. The world is literally falling apart. And he's just obedient to buy land, even though it doesn't make any sense. Now, we're going to get to God's answer here in verses 26 through 44. Anybody have any quick questions, comments about Jeremiah, prison, or anything here before we move on? Yeah, Ron. When he's talking about giving it to the That's Jeremiah's mindset. He's saying, I'm basically going out and buying this land, which in a matter of months is going to be overtaken by the Babylonians. It makes no sense. Once again, the house is on fire and you decide to start building an addition. It just doesn't make sense. Jeremiah was faithful, though. Any other quick questions, comments before we move on? Okay, we get God's answer here. And I love God's answer. Look at verse 26. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Don't you love that? That's God's response. He uses Jeremiah's words against him. Jeremiah just prayed in verse 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. What does God say in verse 27? Is there anything too hard for me? Don't you love it when God uses your own words against you? I don't know how many times I've been in prayer or I've been studying the Bible or, you know, I've written something down and I'll come back and I'll say, Lord, I can't. I can't. You know, Lord, I, I hear what you're asking me to do. I know what you want me to do. Lord, I can't. And then you hear that still small voice of the Holy Spirit saying, didn't you promise you would serve me with everything? Didn't, didn't you say that you'd be faithful no matter what happened? Didn't you say that whoever I sent you to, you would be a witness to? Or maybe not even deep spiritual matters. You know, Lord, I, I can't love her anymore. Didn't you say that you would love her? Didn't you say you would raise those kids in Christ? Didn't you say that you'd be a friend to that person? See, God is so good at reminding us of what we say. I learned very early in my Christian walk, be careful of the promises you make to God. He will not forget. Jeremiah, a few simple verses earlier, said, Lord, there's nothing too difficult for you. But Lord, why? What's God say? Didn't you just say there's nothing too difficult for me? See, God has a plan and a purpose. And God's plan and purpose is made pretty clear here through these passages. And, you know, time limits us from getting into everything. But basically God does in verses 28 and 29 and 30 and 31 and 32, He makes this case saying, listen, judgment is coming. And that's what the Babylonians are here for. And, and why is judgment coming? Verse 36 sums it up real nice. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the city of which you say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword, by the famine, and by pestilence. Now, I went back into Deuteronomy 28, and I found all the passages that back that up, and there were so many of them, it was really just easier to say this. 
Go read Deuteronomy 28. If you remember correctly from some of our lessons a few weeks ago, God made this covenant with Israel, and this was the deal. Israel, if you promise to serve and obey God, you will get the blessings of Deuteronomy 27. Israel, if you choose to reject this covenant and disobey God, you will get the curses of Deuteronomy 28. And there's a lot of them. If you just look in Deuteronomy 28, 58 through 59, if you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and also name the Lord your God, behold, I will gather them out of all countries where I have driven them in my anger and my fury and great wrath, and I will bring them back to this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. There's passages in Deuteronomy 28 where it says the exact same thing. Pestilence will come, armies will come, famine will come. God said, this is the result of your disobedience. Now, once again, if we would just stop right there, this is the point we make all the time. God sure sounds angry and mean. You you can see why people get this mindset of God just sounds angry and mean. I was just watching a video this afternoon out here at church, and I was working on stuff, and it was a Christian talking to an, an atheist. And the atheist was quoting all these scriptures in the Bible saying, this is the God that you choose to worship. And he says, and he quoted all these passages. And if you just stop there for a second, you're like, wow, God sounds kind of angry. And if you just stop right now, and if you just quit at verse 36, and you would just stop there and you would say, okay, that's it, it's all done. Boy, why would I want to serve that God? This is his chosen people. This is Israel. These are the people he loves. And he says, nope, you all need to be judged. But what else is God doing? What do we see out here all the time? Whenever there's judgment, there's always grace. Look at verse 37. Behold, I will gather them out of all the countries where I have driven them in my anger and my fury and great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and I will cause them to dwell safely. Then they shall be my people and I will be their God. Verse 38 is key. This verse is repeated in Jeremiah 24, 7, Jeremiah 30, 22, and Jeremiah 31, 33. As we say out here a lot, if God says it once, it's important. If he says it twice, pay attention. If he's saying it three times, really pay attention. Okay, this is four times. Four times in this book, he's saying, they shall be my people and I will be their God. God has not forgotten Israel. God has not forsaken the Jews. Be it 2,500 years ago or be it right now in 2013, they are still his people. He is still their God. Now, as we said many times, God also loves the nation of Israel enough to discipline them, to get their attention. That's exactly what was going on here in Jeremiah 32. They needed to be disciplined for their actions to get their attention, and that's what he's doing. But look at the promise that happens, verse 39. Then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good. I will put my fear in their hearts that they should not depart from me. Yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart, with all my soul. For thus says the Lord, Just as I have bought all this great calamity on this people, so I will bring on them all the good that I have promised them. And the fields will be bought in this land of which you say it is desolate without man or beast, has been given to the hand of the Chaldeans. Verse 44, men will buy fields for money, sign deeds, and seal them, and take witnesses in the land of Benjamin. In the places around Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the mountains, in the cities of the lowland, in the cities of the south, for I will cause their captives to return to them. So did you catch verse 43? Verse 43 reminds us a lot of verse 24. 
See, Jeremiah said, why am I buying a field in the middle of a battle in a city that's going to be defeated, that's going to be overtaken by Babylon? Because what God says is you purchasing that field is actually a prophecy to show that people will come back, rebuild, set up their homes again, and that you're acting in faith even in the middle of the storm. See, we've here's the thing, all of us. If everything is going good, and you can say praise the Lord, that's great, but it really doesn't mean a whole awful lot. What is your faith like when everything's falling apart? That, that's what really matters. You know, what is your faith like when you are in the prison of your life? What is your faith like when Babylon is encircling your home? What is your faith like when you're the one stuck in prison? If you can still say praise the Lord and mean it, amen. That's a deep, strong, rooted faith in God. And God can use that and wants to use that. Jeremiah's actions in the middle of this difficult time showed, Lord, I still trust you. Now, note the honesty of, Lord, why? But he still was obedient. Still was obedient. We're in a phase right now with our fourth son, Layden, who anytime you ask him to do something, the answer always is, why? Always is, why? So, you try to give them the logic, you try to give them the reason, and sometimes you say, you know what, I'm not going to answer that one, just do it. Our oldest son, Elias, is the same way. Why? He has to understand before he obeys. And that's something we're trying to teach him, too. Sometimes you need to obey just because you need to obey. See, you're allowed to ask why. You, you are. Why did it fall apart? Why is this going difficult? Why did I lose my loved one? But you also have to understand that God is under no obligation to answer you. And it's not because God is mean. It's not because God says, I like to hold this over your head. It's because God says, listen, you have to trust me. I have loved you, and I have given my son for you. Just trust that I always do what's best for you. See, when we ask why, sometimes we're asking God almost out of doubt. Like, Lord, you have promised me good. You have promised you take care of me. But now my world is falling apart. So why is this happening? Because obviously you're not moving and working. No, 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 no. I still love you. I'm still moving. I'm still working. Jeremiah, even though you're in prison, I'm still moving and I'm still working. And by you purchasing that field, it's a picture, a prophecy of Israel being rebuilt back up. So I'm telling you right now. You may be in a Jeremiah prison moment. You may be right now. I just want to encourage you. God is going to use that Jeremiah prison moment to prepare your heart for something that he has in store for you in the future. I want you to know he's going to use that prison moment as for you to be a light and a witness to others. And he's going to use that prison moment to speak to your heart more than you can ever imagine. Now, if you're not in a prison moment, you may have a loved one that is. Sometimes the worst thing we can do as a friend, as a pastor, as a parent, as a whatever, is to get that person out of that difficult moment as quick as we can. Maybe they need to stay in that difficult moment to have their heart open and prepared for what the Lord has to say. Maybe the best thing for them is to go through that difficult moment to say, okay, are you really going to trust Him or not? I look at my life as a pastor sometimes. Sometimes I'm pulling people out of prison moments left and right where the Lord says, let them stay. They need this. Lord, I just got to trust you. Just got to trust you. So a great teaching tonight in Jeremiah 32. God had a lot to say of just this idea of trusting Him in those difficult times. David.
And that's the thing is, and what David was just mentioning there is that idea that God always has a remnant. And if you look in Romans 9, 10, and 11, that's one of the points that Paul's trying to make, is even though right now it looks like Israel's completely and utterly and totally rejected this idea of Jesus, there's still a remnant that is faithful. And the same thing happens for us today. As we look at the world today, and if you watch the news, it looks like the world has totally and utterly rejected Jesus and any sort of biblical truth and godly morals and values. But God says there's still a remnant. If you look in the Bible, God has always chosen to work with a small group rather than a big group. You know, look at Gideon, look at the 12 disciples. That's the way the Lord works. He works with a small group of people that is on fire for him, and that's how he changes the world. It's an amazing thing. Anybody else got anything here before we close up? Yeah, Ron. Was Egypt ever really a Christian country? Egypt ever a Christian country? No. No, Egypt in biblical times has never been a Christian country, and I don't think you can make a case today that they're a Christian country. But the interesting thing about Egypt is, if you study out Egypt in biblical prophecy, Egypt is the bad guy for like, if you're watching a movie, Egypt is the bad guy up until about the last five minutes of the movie. Then all of a sudden, Egypt kind of becomes the good guy. Interesting thing about Egypt, if you study out prophecy, at the end, Egypt seems to get it. And that's kind of a neat picture, it really is. And I encourage you to go study out the the future of Egypt in the Bible, because you will find out that 90% of everything that God says about Egypt is really bad. But when you start getting the future events, you start getting the return of Jesus Christ, the second coming, uh, tribulation, millennial reign, you start seeing Egypt turn its heart back over to the Lord. Beautiful picture of redemption and grace and mercy. And I tell you right now, you may have an Egypt in your life. You may have some guy or gal you know that has walked away from the Lord for decades, and you're almost said, there's no way. They may be in Egypt. You don't know what those final moments of their life are going to be like. They may come back to the Lord where they're supposed to be. Egypt's a neat picture of that. Anybody else have anything here before we close up? All right, let's pray and we'll let you go. Heavenly Father, good to be here tonight. And I just want to pray for anybody that is in that Jeremiah prison moment, be it health, be it work, be it relationships, be it life. They just feel trapped in this difficult season of life. I pray you'd speak to them clearly. I pray their hearts are prepared for what you have. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that they'd be a witness to others. Lord, if there's somebody we know stuck in that Jeremiah moment, help us to encourage them in you and encourage them to seek you in all ways and all things. We lift this up in your name. Amen. All right, you guys have a good week. God bless.